Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the Purple Pants. It's the Purple Pants. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You better get your headphones and listen up quick. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You better listen in public. Might make your stomach hurt. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You're trying to unwind. You better get that box wine. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You're trying to get your snack. You better hurry right back, though. It's the Purple Pants. It's the Purple Pants. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Purple Pants Podcast, episode 176, The Roster. I serve as your humble and oh-so-gracious host, Bryce Isaiah, and I'm so excited that you have tuned in to this week's brand-new episode. If you could be so kind to ensure that you are subscribed to the Purple Pants Podcast, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you can find podcasts. The Purple Pants Podcast awaits for you to hit subscribe, write a review, and give your baby boy some five stars. What's the tea, Purple Pants Posse? I hope that everyone is doing well. I hope this podcast finds you in good spirits. And if not, I hope this podcast can put a smile on your face. I had a real chill weekend. It was given very much brunch, 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 brunch. Hung out with a couple of friends this weekend. We went to one brunch. Then on Sunday, I went to another brunch. Like, listen, it was giving very much so brunch, but it was great to be outside. It was definitely warm in the city of Philadelphia. Was a little upset because I'm, you know, minding my business, scrolling through the Instagram, and they had there's this like trending topic of Sesame Place in Philadelphia, which is kind of near like Oxford Valley in the Langhorn area. But there are like these images of these black children. You know, when you go to Sesame Street, you be waiting in the parade, and there are multiple characters that are like saying and waving and hello to kids. And then when they get to the black children, they just Look at them and walk by. Now, you think this would be an isolated incident. This was like the trending topic all, you know, weekend. And I'm like, oh, my God, not from Philly. But there are about four other videos coming out from the same place in Philadelphia where there are other black children and the characters are going up to all the other children that happen not to be black um, and touching, giving them high fives. And then the, the black children are sitting there with their hands up and the characters walking by. Now, let me just be clear. Sesame. Now, mind you, Sesame place had put out a statement saying that, you know, this is not their policy and they don't stand for discrimination. However, first of all, anytime you trying to issue an apology and it has a however in it, baby it's not giving what it's supposed to give and they're saying that due to the costumes at times they can't see on a lower level well the kids that they were saying hello to next to the black children you could see so i'm gonna need you to get yourself together sesame street sesame place because disney world would never okay Blues Clues would never. Sesame Street or Sesame Place here in Philadelphia, get it together because we don't like the discrimination and you especially not discriminating against these beautiful brown babies. Now that had me all hot. And do you ever like find something and you go down this rabbit hole? Like, you know, listen, I am a, 
I have a doctorate degree in reading the comments because I just whenever I see a trending topic, my first avenue is to go to the post. I read the comments and mind you, that can take like two hours. Like I literally go down the rabbit hole because then it's like I'll see a comment that I don't like or I'll see a comment that I agree. And then I want to like break the comment down and see what the people are commenting about. Then I went to the Twitter. Okay, then Twitter. Then there are more videos on Twitter. There are other people that were at Sesame Place, like maybe last year or not this weekend, that they thought that they had innocent videos of their children, like you know, and the parade dancing. And after this kind of scandal came out, they kind of revisited their footage and they realized that their kids was snubbed as well. So it's crazy. So if you haven't read about this or seen about it, just Google the hashtag Sesame Place in Philadelphia. Let me know what you think, Posse, because I listen. And I, I get embroiled and stuff like that. I, I, I hate it. Oof, it just boils my blood. But anyway, I just wanted to, that was on my topic, on my mind. So I wanted to share that. But I hope everyone was having a really good weekend. You know me, like I said, baby boy was brunching. Um, I'm really excited about this week's episode. Okay, P-Valley is on a one-week break. What, what P-Valley think? This is the NFL? Uh, like, like, no, no, no. Y'all not going to kill Big T off. You have Uncle cliff and little murder reconnect and then we gotta go a week off baby i was so hot when i got up sunday morning and i thought i was gonna get me a p-valley episode because not only do i love podcasting about it with Chappelle and sharia i love the show so i love to watch it so i was a little disappointed this sunday so then i said you know what let me go take myself to brunch and have a mimosa but i'm really excited about this week's episode we got the church announcements and it's giving a play by play and we have our baby boy jack atkins back to help me cover our play-by-play segment. We first of all talk about what Jack has been up to this summer and then we are going down the roster of some trending topics in the sports realm. We are talking about the Drew League. We are talking about Kyrie and KD. We are talking the rookies of 2022 and you know I'm excited about that. We're talking about Juan Soto and this $440 million contract and we also are talking about the college swimmer Leah Thomas and so it is a great episode great discussions and of course Miss Barb is back dropping off some positivity this week with Barb's message and we got the freak of the week so listen let's get this roster rolling This week on the church announcements, I just want to make sure the posse is aware that we are covering CBS, the Challenge USA, here on the Purple Pants podcast. So you can tune in every Saturday and hear Wendell and myself with some special guests break it down and if the audio podcast is just not enough for you you can head over to Wendell Holland's YouTube first of all subscribe show your baby boy some love and you can watch the podcast as well because you know listen you all be acting crazy you know when will be acting crazy you know we be dropping gems in the brictionary and breaking it all down but i just want to make sure that you knew posse that we are covering the cbs the challenge so make sure you support your baby boys and tune in Play, 
And we are back this month with your Purple Pants play-by-play. But fricka fricka, this month we are joined none other than the baby boy that is one-third of the Survivor News. You might know him from the circle or, whoo, it's getting hot in here because the floor is lava. We are welcoming back to the podcast the Jack that is the Atkins baby boy. How are you? Bryce, what is up? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. You know the baby boy loves some Survivor news, but a little, little known fact, I'm also a big sports fan, so I'm so excited uh, to talk some sports with you. Yeah, yeah. like, you know, I've been getting into my sports since I've been covering play-by-play on the podcast, and you know, I love sports. I didn't realize my love of sports, not necessarily like I still think sports is kind of boring, but I think (laughs) when I uh, add my flavor of, oh, zaddies, and I add the flavor of, I really love like the, not the drama, but I didn't realize that like behind the scenes of sports is Mm -hmm. such like a soap opera. Definitely, definitely. And obviously, you know, it's the Survivor offseason right now, too. So it's just great to be back on the podcast, get back in touch with the posse and talk about something new. But I totally agree with you. I don't always watch a whole lot of games, but just following along with everything going on, all the all the amazing players and their the, like, kind of the life behind the scenes is just a really cool thing to follow along with. Yeah, no, it's uh, for sure. And I mean, my avenue is the zaddies, but you know, I'm (laughs) (laughs) you're not here so much for the zaddies, but it's okay. I keep you posted. But before we get into this week's play by play uh, roster, I'm curious to know, like what you've been doing since we've last left off on the Survivor News. I was flicking through the Netflix and I saw two of my favorite baby boys. I saw Courtney from the circle season two and I saw Jack like what tell give us the scoop on the floor is lava. Yeah. So like you said, did we did a uh, episode of the floor is lava season two, episode five. Uh, It was like a Netflix reality face off. So it was a cert team circle versus team two out to handle versus uh, the, the, I think hype house, some content creators. Um, and thankfully they invited me, Savannah and Courtney from my season to all team up, uh, not only good, like good friends from my season. So we were so excited to, to be able to hang out, film another show with Netflix. Uh, I won't spoil too much, but it it was a brief, you know, appearance. Um, (laughs) and so, you know, as far as, uh, career moves go, it wasn't necessarily (laughs) a game changer, but it was definitely a blessing to be able to get back on the screen and be able to compete with, with some friends in a, in a really fun challenge. Yeah, and if you're not following Jack on TikTok, make sure you get to the Jack Atkins because I feel like I um I love TikTok. I don't post a lot. I need to get better at it, but uh, my sleep schedule is like all effed up. So I'm up at, well, I don't even want to talk times with Jack because Jack and I have this ongoing argument because every day or whenever I call Jack, it's 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and Jack's like, sorry, I missed your call. I was asleep. But anyway, I get up sometimes <laughs> at like 5 a.m. in the morning, and I love to do a good twit, like uh, a TikTok peruse. Um, I love the For You, um, and like, you know, I'm getting my little cooking. I'm finding out about Philly, but I like recently ran into your TikTok on the floor is lava oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh if you have not seen that so i mean yeah baby boy took a tumble but you know he did it in the best possible way but i guess the question is is the floor really lava Oh man, you you gotta hop on the TikTok for that. No, I'm playing. Uh, the, the the floor, believe it or not, not actually lava. No, um, but it is. I think a lot of people 
I, I see a lot of guesses and it's actually it's a, it's pretty different than what I think people it's almost like a honey like ah. uh, like liquid so it's very thick um, and so when you fall in it just kind of all like coats you and you have to like get out you gotta like take a towel go take a shower it's not like a watery thing it's very like a, a viscous substance oh, so, come on um, come on viscous but yeah it was a it was a good experience though it was super cool but the floor was not actually lava <laughs> I found, that, found that out firsthand darn um, it what was your preparation like for preparing for the floor's lava? Uh, to keep it real with you, <laughs> I think I watched one episode. I think, I don't know if anyone on my, I think, I don't think Savannah watched any, I don't think she knew what the show was. Oh my gosh, she just, Savannah. She just showed up and did her thing. Um, and yeah, no, just, uh, you know, we, we strategized a little bit, but at the end of the day, it was a very challenging course. So, and I, the one thing I will say that I, I didn't realize watching at home is, the 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 lava substance they they have it like bubbling and everything so it gets Uh-oh. on all the different surfaces and so when you're trying to slippery. jump from surface to surface exactly it's super slippery so you know the, the the distance of the jump might not be hard but it's like if you can't get a little running start or you can't you, you know what i mean you have to really just like squat down and, and leap for it or when you jump the surface you're landing on is also slippery so you might be doing kind of a routine jump but then oh your foot might slip out from under Uh-oh. you and before you know it you in the lava. So. Oh, listen, and, and y'all need to head over to Jack's TikTok and watch his TikTok on the floor is lava, and you we'll see how slippery the surface is. Another thing I wanted to talk to you about, uh, Jack, is that I love uh, following Jack on Instagram because I love his stories. And you recently were in, was it France? Was it Italy? Mm-hmm. And France. France. Or merci beaucoup. Uh, but uh, yeah. I love anytime Jack, and if you follow Jack on Instagram, uh, you know, anytime Jack has to go to an airport, he <laughs> loves to ask the followers, What's up? Uh, traveling? Ask me. You know, you do your own little AMA. And so, yep. my one thing that I just be wanting to know is, what is the thought process behind when you answer those questions? the selfies that you post to go along with it. Do you like oh. double take them? Cause like if any of y'all watch and you know what I'm talking about, Jack be giving model. I be like, okay, oh. Jack with the, uh, with the straight little eyes piercing through chin down. Like, get, like, you know, Jack be serving Zaddy on the low. Like, is hey, there yo. any thought process or like, do you take multiple um, photos or damn. is it just snap it and you go, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a snap and go type of situation. Uh, but I don't see, I, I could see why it comes across that way, but I don't want it to look like I'm too serious. So sometimes I try to mix in, you know, maybe a goofy look, uh, oh. but you know, for, if I'm answering, you know, 20, 30 questions, I, I feel like I just gotta have a little average baseline, just a little average zaddy look. Um, oh, okay. but I don't know. It's, it's weird. Cause I like, I don't know what to put in the background sometimes. So I just kind of just go <laughs> almost like a Snapchat vibe with okay. the question over it. Um, but sometimes I'll take the picture of myself and I'll be like, damn, I look like kind of a, a D bag. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I don't know. I'll be answered some, and a lot of times, you know, I like to troll a little bit and some of the answers are just be that like kind of satirical. So it'll just be like oh, my, my so face terrible. stone cold and then some random crazy answer. That's a super out of pocket, but uh, okay. I don't know that people, I don't know. You're the first person to kind of comment on my my selfies on there but people seem to enjoy some of the questions so i love yeah no i love it's not even the questions it's your responses it's your like dry sense of 
you're hella funny, yeah. but then the dry humor, and then also it also takes a, a life of its own when you mm-hmm. read it because it's like you'd be like, What did he just say? Then you'd be like, Oh, you know what? That's Jack. Um, so no, I love it. So I love when Jack travels. Uh, and if you're not following him, you need to follow him to get on his travel and ask him some questions. Now, also, you are currently in LA, is that correct? Yes, sir. I've been oh. here for actually a month as of today, so. Okay, happy one month. Now, we know you did not graduate yet. You will be graduating in this December from the University of Chicago. Come on, class of 2022. still. Okay. Yeah. Barely. But yeah, no, that's exciting. And any plans in LA? Mind you, sorry, y'all, because I'm just catching up with Jack. Because mind you, Jack like to call me seven o'clock in the morning when he getting back in. So I don't always be coherent or Jack don't be coherent. So I'm just checking in with the baby boy. But what are your the plans for the summer? So, yeah, this summer is kind of an interesting one. Um, As you said, I'm I'm heading back to school for my last semester uh, at the end of September. And so you know, I'm, I'm still sort of in that weird uh, zone of like the talent side from doing all the stuff with Netflix, but it's obviously faded off. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, because I have to go back to school, fortunately, I have a little bit of money saved up. So this summer I said, hey, you know, let me give this talent thing a real um, a real chance to, to, to shine and kind of give myself that opportunity to really go for it. Um, because obviously with the reality TV stuff, it's like, yeah, you can you can you know, you got to give yourself the flowers or whatever and take a moment to really enjoy it. But with the circle, it's like, there wasn't really a next move. You know, we, I wasn't getting ready for, you know, the next reality show or anything. So now I'm, I'm trying to this summer really give myself a chance to, to explore sort of the acting realm, something that I've always been interested in. Um, so I'm taking a few acting classes. I'm hoping to start doing some auditions soon. Uh, I've been waiting on those because obviously I, you know, I, I I just got some headshots done. Hopefully, that's oh. giving some zaddy. Um, but I didn't approve, yeah. I didn't see them yet. I need to see the first. I, I haven't got I haven't uh, gotten the 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 finished product yet. But you know, shout out to to Matt Tenty uh, if you're in that great headshots. Uh, I'm waiting for the finished product, but you know, I got a sneak peek. They looked solid. Uh, but obviously, I, before I started doing the auditions, I I needed to get some headshots. Uh, and then I also want I, I'm taking two classes, two different classes right now. So I, I'm trying to get those you know, my base is covered to really develop some skills before I go for it. So I'm, I'm giving that a spin this summer. If it starts going somewhere, hopefully we can continue that either back in Chicago or when we come back after I graduate. But if not, you know, I'm, I'm a realist. So I have some backup plans for more um, formal sorts of jobs. Uh, but I'm just figuring all that out. I'm, I'm very fortunate, you know, right now to have the opportunity um, through, you know, the the Netflix stuff and through some of the, the, the fortunately being able to save up some money and things like that. Um, and then obviously, you know, having that fallback of going back to school this fall gives me that sort of three month period to be, be like, Hey, I can really explore and go for whatever I want this summer. Um, so very grateful for that. It's, it's been a lot of fun so far. I've really been enjoying some of the acting stuff. It's so different than reality TV. Cause you know, reality TV, you're obviously pretty much just being yourself acting is almost an opportunity to, embrace those different, you know, characters or personas or different things that are within you to and you, and explore those, those emotions more and kind of empathize with the different characters. So that's been a really fun sort of exploration so far. So it's been about a month and I'm enjoying it. And I'm excited to hopefully do some auditions and stuff soon. Okay. Are you taking any improv classes? So I, I auditioned for this uh, improv, I guess, school. It's called the Groundlings. It's almost like a second city SNL type of school. 
Okay. Uh, and I got, I passed the audition, but I'm currently trying to find classes that will fit with my schedule. And so, uh, to, 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 to keep it short, uh, I'm, I'm having a hard time finding classes that will, I can take within the, the scope of this summer. Cause obviously I, I want to make sure I can take them all while I'm out here before I go back to Chicago. But the, the, you know, the, the passing of the audition lasts for a year. So worst case, when I come back out in uh, December, I, I'm, I'm, I'll take those classes uh, with through the ground link. So I, lo- I did improv in high school. I don't know if y'all knew that, but I enjoy that a lot too. Um, so I'm really excited whenever I get the opportunity to do those classes too, to, to just explore that. And I'm just hoping to really develop myself more as a sort of, you know, actor improv or whatever getting it together well lucky for you you are in the perfect place for the purple pants improv scene so let's act out a scene real quick and let's test your improv Um, okay i'm thinking of a scene you are the older brother nick i am a younger brother uh i'm coming home from school and i'm getting bullied okay it's a two-minute scene and wait what's your name again i said nick okay nick and I'm Trevor. Okay. Okay. Nick, I'm Trevor. Right. Okay. And action. Hey, Nick. Hey, 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 little bro. How was school today? <laughs> it was okay. Was Was Mrs. Cooper giving giving you a hard time in class? No, Miss Cooper was cool. I, I love social studies, so it's amazing. But yeah, no, I just had a hard time on the bus. On the what happened on the bus? Uh, you know those kids up the street, the Jacobs brothers, they always are teasing me because of my book bag and because I like Taylor Swift. So they were giving me a hard time on the bus. I, I, I hate those damn Jacobs brothers. <laughs> um, tre- Trevor, it, you know what? You know, they, they might not have the taste for, for Taylor Swift. That'll come. What did they say about your book bag? Were, were you was, two strapping again? I was, I was, I because I well, I have a lot of books and I don't want them. Shit, to fall I might off. have to bully you for that, Trevor. You got to go one strap. <laughs> Everyone knows that's the cool way to hold the book bag. <laughs> I can't have my history and my economics book and my home ec and my Taylor Swift CDs all. I'm scared I might drop them, so I've got to make sure I've got the two strap and I make sure they're like super tight so that if somebody hits it, I am low to the ground. Well, what what did they say to you about that? Did they did they say some unsavory words? They're just like, who wears two straps? I mean, they're not wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll call the I'll call the elder Jacobs brother up, uh, Jacob Jacobs, and I'll have a word with him. <laughs> not they not wrong. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell him. I'll tell him. Hey, I know Trevor. You know he's still understanding how to strap up his book bag. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, I don't know why this man's got his economics books. He's in the third grade. <laughs> um, I want to be prepared for the world. Yeah. I'll uh, and, and scene. Okay, you get an A yeah. for effort, but an F for a consoling big brother. Jack. That's just the, that's what the character spoke. spoke to okay, me. that's how we can see. Okay, now before we get into the, our roster, I got another quick question. You keep saying you saved all this money, you got all this money to be saved in LA. I be seeing you on your poker and you love poker. How are you so good at poker? Is it a learned skill or is now mind you, I really don't know much about poker. Poker, sure. the games that I know how to play are spade, spades, face ten, uno, and old maid. Uh, go fish. Go fish. 
Um, and nah, that might be it. Now, poker. What like how have you gotten so good at poker? So I gotta I gotta start this off by saying, you know, as of the last few weeks, okay. actually has been a very bad stretch of poker for oh. me. Gotta I gotta keep it honest with you guys. But overall, you know, in my poker career, I suppose, I've done fairly well. And and having, you know, some upswings and some downswings is a very natural part of the game. Um, because I will say it's it's definitely a skill based game, but it does naturally have you know, elements of like luck and gambling. So of course there'll be times where luck might be in your favor and you, you kind of make more money than you really should. Or there'll be times where luck is not on your side and you'll do worse than you really deserve to. And so I'm right now in one of those phases. When I first got to LA, I played a few tournaments, did quite well. I got first in the first one, second in the second one. Uh, I've had another tournament. I've played six tournaments as I've been out here. So I had, I got a first place, second place. And then I had another tournament cash, which means I made the money. Uh, and then the, the three other ones did not make the money. Um, but that's that, a 50% rate for those is actually, you know, very solid. Cause I think a lot of times, and they're not, they're not like uh, specifically, they're not like obviously the world series of poker or anything like that. Not that level necessarily, but to do, to have the success I've had with the tournaments has been very fulfilling, but so there's tournaments and there's also cash games. So tournaments is sort of oh. like you play until the final person remains. And then cash games like you sit down at the table with whoever you can go whenever um, you can play one hand and leave the table if you want. There's no. Uh, so what's your with preference? Those, tournaments or ca- hand me the cash? Usually, usually cash games. But lately, I've really been actually enjoying the sort of the new challenge of the tournaments. Um, the tournaments are almost like a battle royale of sorts, you know, where you, you constantly have to be surviving and there's no there's no way to sort of. To, to hide in a, in a sense, you know, you gotta, you gotta like push the tempo. Uh, it's very fast paced. Uh, it pays to be very aggressive in those. So I've liked those and, and I, I don't usually play a lot of tournaments. So that's sort of been a new challenge for me that I've really enjoyed, but I do play a lot of cash games, but yeah. So I just wanted to preface and say, you know, so it recently has been going great. So that's got, I gotta be honest, but overall I love, I mean, I've, I've loved poker for a long time. Uh, Something my dad and I, it's like our shared hobby almost. That and Survivor, actually. And Survivor. Yep. Now, when, when you're playing poker in these tournaments, do you wear the buffs? No, I don't, I don't <laughs> wear the buffs. Uh, I do usually wear a nice, a nice Goran Bros hat. Oh. Uh, maybe a hoodie. Because, you know, I think a, there's, a, there's a stereotype about a lot of poker players. You know, the, like the serious ones, sometimes they'll wear the glasses and the ear and the headphones and the hoodie. I like when I'm at the table, I like to be able to banter with the other people and really talk to them and like be social um, because it's more fun. And I think you can get some information out of people at the table. Uh, So I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those players that it's like all like keeps to themselves and listens to like finance podcasts while I'm playing. You know, I'm going to have a little Jack Harlow going on in one year. Not Garrett um, Edelstein. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, for survive. I mean, Garrett's actually a phenomenal poker. Like, he's probably my favorite poker player just because he wow. plays crazy high stakes. Uh, and he's very good. Um, but no, I, I'm not by any means a, a super serious poker player. But I really do enjoy it. It's a very good like mental. Um, now, is it workout. more? Is it more a numbers game? Is it more like you try your luck? Is it more you like reading out the players? I always hear of like a poker face. Or do you need to be vigilant to see if somebody's like actually um, 
like you know like they're bluffing or like what is the the one two three steps to poker yeah i'd say when it really boils down to it poker is a very mathematical numbers game um and it's a game of information where you know a lot of times people talk about reading other players and i think the first thing we think about um going into that is like Oh, if his like hands are shaking, it means this. And th- th- those are called like live tells, like w- reading someone based on like their body language or like how they're talking. And that's definitely relevant. But I think the most like the primary way that you read people is sort of through like their actions in the hand. You know, how much are they betting? Um, things like that. And then also to combine that with like the cards on the table. So it's very mathematical. Um, but the thing is, you never truly know. So you kind of just use math to give it your, yourself the best guess of what the opponent probably has and what you should do based off of that. Uh, and according to that, you can make a move that I guess is like mathematically ideal. But again, it doesn't always work. Sometimes you're going to be wrong. Sometimes you might make the right move and then the wrong card comes on the board and the other player now has a better hand than you, even though you did everything right. And so you're just naturally going to lose. Um and so it, it's it's sort of like a it's sort of like an intel it's an intelligence thing in the sense of the math. But there's also always that element of like luck and variance that keeps it exciting. Where you know I could sit down at a table with people that are all worse than me, and I might lose sometimes. Where or I could sit at a table with people that are all better than me, and I sometimes might win. And so that's kind of like keep because you know it's it, I feel like the, a big difference between poker and chess, for example, kind of a similar mental thing is like chess. The better players almost always going to win. And so I'm like, if I was playing chess for money, I wouldn't just be playing against people better than me. Like, what's the point? Whereas poker, there's always that chance that you could get some luck and, and win. So it's really just a combination of like, you know, straight up math, um, but also reading people, making moves, uh, testing your luck. And also, you know, sometimes you got to be ballsy and, and make a big bluff, which is like when you, I guess, bet as though you have a great hand when you really don't and try to get the other person to fold their hand. Um, so it's just a, it's just a combination of so many exciting, you know, mental tests, I guess, that it, it really keeps me engaged. And it's, the, it's one of those games where you can always, always, always get better. So you can constantly push yourself in it. Have you ever been like talking around the table and then all of a sudden somebody just like stops talking and it just gets like seriously intense? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd say whenever you get in a big hand, uh, usually it starts to get quiet. You know, like oh. if I'm in a big hand, uh, I'm not. I'm I'm focused on the hand. I'm I'm no longer like bantering with people about like you know how's the food at this rush. You know what I mean? Because like, that, that's when you have to start thinking about things uh, from like a mathematical uh, Point, strategic you standpoint. You know, yeah, you don't want to distract yourself because you're trying to calculate like general numbers, things like that. Um, but then as soon as it ends, you know, you can go right back into uh into, into conversation the most awkwardest thing that has ever happened during a, a a poker game. Have you like ever farted? Have you ever heard like someone fart? Like uh, has anything like one random? thing that comes to mind as far oh, as like, pure like embarrassing. When I was in Vegas with my dad, we were playing at the same table. And in Vegas, when you're playing at the tables for poker for whatever, like slots, blackjack, the drinks are free. Oh. Um, and this was we went for my 21st birthday. So my dad oh. and I ordered a couple beers. Oh, and come on. We, I got a Corona. I got a Corona with the lime as oh. one does at the table. And you know how the trick where you like put the lime in the and lime. turn the bottle upside down to like mix it in. No, I never then, did. Oh, I mean, so, I put the lime in and I'll put my thumb or finger on it and then I'll turn it upside down. But I don't oh, just well, like, yeah, that. that 
That's that's what I mean. I I I did that, oh, but I, I messed it up so that like the pressure got messed up, so it started like squirting. <laughs> so I got like I got like a quarter of the Corona just like squirted on me, at the, and everyone else at the table started laughing. I was like, oh my god, and my dad started making fun of me. I was like, damn, I'm never doing that again. Uh, I'm gonna just drink my Corona. <laughs> Jack, what in the hell? Explode <laughs> on the table. But yeah, okay, the, but like I said, the tournaments have been a lot of fun. That feeling of you know, I, it was actually back to back tournaments for me where I got first place and then second place out of a field of like seventy players. So that, oh, that wow. was just such a good feeling. To it's almost that same feeling as like you know in Survivor in the circle when. You get to the final. I don't know. Well, when you survive, well, I was when you survive the round. You know, okay. when, when you guys win that immunity challenge, you're like, okay. okay, I'm I'm going from the final eighteen to the final seventeen. Like in the poker, when someone else gets knocked out, it's like I'm, I'm one step closer to making some money. It's it's a it's a cool feeling, and it, and it combines that strategy too. I think there's probably a lot of overlap between. You know the the, the reason people enjoy Survivor and the reason people like poker. So no, I would I could definitely see the the crossover because I know there are a lot of great poker players like Boston Rob, Jeremy Collins, um, Tyson, and I know uh, what's his name. Uh, I feel like I'm missing someone big that always plays like uh, and uh, Dominic uh, Dom from yeah. Ghost Island. I'm, I know that they're like huge. I remember you po- all did that poker tournament too we, before yes. um, South Africa. If, if we definitely we did, and those, we should. Tony, Tony came in hot. I put like two hundred dollars down and then just lost. It, I was like, uh, but it is uh, funny at the same time. The the actual like the professional poker players that have played Survivor almost always do pretty bad. Like Garrett, um, John Robert, Ronnie Barda, who was the first boot of um uh, of the Idols. Um, and obviously they're they're phenomenal poker players, so they clearly have a good sense of like strategy, things like that. But for some reason, it just, it doesn't translate to uh, the Survivor game, and which is kind of interesting. I, you know what I think that is? I think because and it, it reminds me of Garrett. Do you remember when like um, it was the, the night that Garrett went home when it was supposed to be Jatia and poker is very practical. Like you know, it's a number game. It's like you not not. You can can, like it's not a lot of moving parts in the sense of like people aren't getting up from the table with their cards and stuff. And so it's crazy that you're saying that because it makes me think of Garrett when they got back from the challenge and Garrett basically was like, well, it's no need for us to scramble. We know like what happened and let's all stay here and talk. And like Jatia's going home. And from a practical sense, it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But also it's survivors. So it's not as. We're all just sitting at a table talking and like, you know, our fate's going to be decided. So that's kind of crazy that you just said that because I just made that connection. I, do you remember that episode? Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? With, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think something, too, for me in my, you know, survivor sort of mini experiences, um, I think a lot of the strategy that I think about in Survivor is similar to poker, where I sort of try to think of like a game theory approach where it's like if everyone else is doing their best move then this would be my best move, which is sort of a logic that works really well at the poker table because you would assume that most people are like, especially at the upper levels are going to be playing like a strategy that's good for them. And you can kind of act accordingly. Whereas in survivor, something I've noticed, and I think this applies exactly to, you know, Garrett's tribe where not everyone is going to be doing their best move, you know, for Jatia (laughs) dumping out the rights, probably not her best strategy, but Garrett didn't account for that fact that not everyone is necessarily thinking of like their best move. And so if you try to do that 
just like at the poker table, if you're trying to, if you're playing against someone who's super reckless and you're not accounting for that, then you're going to think of, you're going to get a, like a bad read on their strategy and kind of play incorrectly. So um, I think that's maybe where a lot of the poker players go wrong is they try to strategize it like based right, like straight up off the numbers. When in reality, like you're dealing with people that are not always the most logical. Right. And it's like, you have to play a numbers game. It's always a numbers game, but also you have to take into consideration, right? Emotions, other people's strategies, idols, alliances. So, you know, that, uh, that's, uh, come on us breaking this down like that. Oh yeah. I I love that. Uh, thank you for poker one-on-one with the Jack Atkins. Don't stir the Corona with the lime because it'll explode. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Um, But yeah, we have a full roster for you guys. There were some things that are going on in the sports realm and I am so excited to talk to you about one of the things I wanted to just start our chat off with is the 2022 rookies. And you and I have talked about this because y'all know um, ever since two years ago when LaMelo was a draft, I was like so into it and then I that's when I also really discovered um, I never really got when people had like like career players like people like I've been following LeBron since he got in the draft like you know I, like I, I was like oh, okay well like I never got that but I, I definitely have that excitement with you know y'all know I love LaMelo Ball that's my guy and um, I think the Hornets are going to do really well this year and I just love the fact that I can say that I've been following, I mean, mind you, this, it's on, this is going on his third year, but I can say I've been following him religiously throughout his career, and I don't watch all of the games or don't really know a lot of the the team's statistics, but I do keep up to date on uh, the Hornets, and it's just because of my love of LaMelo Ball. So I was excited yeah. when uh, the 2022 draft came out, and I definitely had some favorite picks. Now, I don't maybe go by what most people always go by. For me, it has to be the team that you go for, your height, what school you coming from, and you got to at least be like a 5.5 or up on the Zaddy radar. Yeah. At least Zaddy adjacent. At least Zaddy adjacent, yes. Zadjacent. <laughs> <laughs> so just uh, a couple of the people that I have an eye out for is one of the people I love is Jalen Williams. Um, he is with the Oklahoma Thunders, and he played basketball uh, in Arkansas for the Razorbacks. I'm probably the Razorbacks, probably saying yep. it wrong. And one of the reasons why we like Jalen is because he is 6'9", okay? Okay. That's, you know, good one. Another one that I really have been liking is Dyson Daniels. Uh, He is, he got drafted to the New Orleans Pelicans and he was the eighth draft pick. I don't know exactly where he went to school. He was from, he played in the, I think the G League. The uh, G League program, I think. So I don't think he was in college. Okay. And so, and I believe this was his second or no actually what this was he only played in the g league for one year i believe and you can yeah. play in the g league for up to two years um and so yeah. he got drafted to the new orleans pelicans he's six six we like uh him i also really like uh marjon and i can't even begin to pronounce his name Bosha camp uh he is he got oh. a draft marjon 
Yeah, uh, he's uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, and he played college in Yankee Valley. Um, he's 6'6", 21 years old. Um, but then, so I like him. And my favorite, favorite, favorite. Oh, also, when I saw this one, um, I really like Wendell Moore, not to be confused with Wendell Holland, 6'5". Uh, he's going for the Minnesota Timberwolves. He played for Duke. I really like Duke because I feel like Duke and um, Villanova, they tend to play a lot in the championships or the finals. Is that right? Yeah, they both have really strong programs. Right. So I remember uh, watching him when he was playing Villanova. So I like had my eye on Wendell. Um, I also like Max Christie. I believe he is, uh, he's for the Lakers, but I believe he played or he went to uh, Michigan State. Uh, he's 6'4". He's 19. He's a little of a, a littler guy, but we like him. But my favorite not my favorite. Also, I have Bryce Alexander uh, McGowans. He is for the Charlotte Hornets. And I only really, well, I like him for two reasons. One, because his name is Bryce, even though he spells it with a Y. Uh, but I also like him because LaMelo seemed to have a really good relationship with him and kind of like was a big brother to him and was really excited when he came over to the Hornets. Now, hopefully the G League has concluded since we're talking about the G League real quick and just want it to be noted that the Trailblazers won in the G League. And <clears throat> this was Jello, LaMelo's balls, brother's second year in the G League. So this is, he's done. I don't know when they pick people or when he get, get picked, but I really just hope for Jello's sake that he can make it into the NBA. I really want all three ball brothers to yeah. be in the NBA. Um, I really like Kendall Thomas Brown. Um, he got drafted to the NBA Pacers. Uh, he played basketball for the Baylor Bears. Uh, he was, and I didn't, what does this mean? He was a consecutive five-star recruit. And um, one of the, and one of the best. Consensus or consecutive? Okay, maybe consensus, consensus. But a five-star recruit is basically like the, the, the highest levels of recruit. Okay. Well, we like Kendall. He's 6'8", and he definitely ranks a 10 out of 10 on the Zaddy calendar. Uh, also, we have Tyrese Jefferson. He's going to the Atlanta Hawks. I love Tyrese. He's 6'6", and which, mind you, Tyrese is a zatchy. And I recently like found out when he got drafted, he's from Allentown, PA, so that's like Philly oh. adjacent. Um, and then, do you know who the number one pick in the draft was this year? Yes, sir. Paulo Banch Banchero, I believe it's pronounced. That's my guy. Uh, and he is playing for the Orlando Magic. I um I just like Orlando because I always think of when Michael Hearts Jordan. Of reality? How well man <laughs> Hearts of Reality. You uh, think Paulo's gonna pull up? I, I think he might. We might have to get Omar to see if we get him to pull up. But uh definitely the number one draft pick. And I um yeah, I definitely have Orlando. I have Milwaukee and the Hornets are the teams that I'm am going with this year. And then of course we have um Sharif. O'Neal and we had uh, Scottie Pippen Jr. going to the Lakers. I love a Scottie Pippen and I love Sharif. Um, and of course, I just love Sharif from clearly he's Shaq's son. But I my special connection with Sharif is that I watched Basketball Wives and his wife, his mom, Shawnee O'Neal was on there. And then when Sharif had to have open heart surgery like three years ago, that's when I really was like, oh, wow, this is kind of sort of crazy. So that's my like connection with Sharif. Now, definitely. Tell the posse who your one pick is and why it is your one pick. And when you told I get us one to, pick, well, only because it's the I wanted to. Well, okay, you get three. 
But I had four that I, I had uh, ready. Who's the one? What's the one one? Oh, the one. I mean, it's got to be my boy <laughs> from Gonzaga on the Oklahoma City Thunder, the number two pick in the draft, Chet Holmgren. And, and a lot of people say he looks like me, so got to be a zaddy. When y'all, well, no, that's definitely not the case. But when y'all listen to this podcast, please pause this now and go look up. What's his name, Jack? Chet Holmgren. C H E T H O L M G R E N. And you are going to scream because Jack, when Jack called me, he was like, Who's your picks? I'm like, Well, listen, you know, I got them ready. Um, this was like a month ago. And when you told me it was Chet, you're like, Because I kind of sort of think he looks like me. And when I Google, I lost it. Like, he really do look like Jack. Oh, I thought you were going to say he doesn't look like me at all. No, he, he looks, really looks like yeah. you. He looks more like me when, like, you know, when I was, like, around more his age, I guess. Like, when I was 18, 19. Now that I have longer hair, it's a little different. But, I mean, he de- we definitely, there's some similarities there. And I've had people, like, send me his picture and be like, I thought this was you, like, when I saw this <laughs> You got drafted. Um, you didn't tell nobody. And the funny thing is, too, I used to hoop a little bit in high school. Oh. And it goes without saying that, obviously, Chet, 20 times better than me. But the way he like plays and moves is very similar to how I played, but just like a way better version, if that makes sense. Like when his lanky ass is running around the court, you know, from a side angle, I'm like, am I watching myself? And then he'll like dunk it. I'm like, never mind that. That's going to be me. But <laughs> Are you a one or two star consensus when you play? I think I was a no star, but I did have a couple offers, Bryce. So, oh, okay. You know, maybe I was a, a quarter star. Um, but I mean, I wanted to talk. Uh, you know, Chet, I was very pleasantly surprised by his performance in the uh, in the summer league. He, uh, you know, a lot of people were worried about his his weight because he's like seven feet tall. And I think he weighs less than I do. So he's wow. he's a pretty skinny guy. So, you know, obviously he's got to bulk up, but I think that'll come. But, you know, people were worried he's going to get pushed around a little bit, things like that. But he, he played really, really well in the uh, in the summer league. 14 points a game, eight and a half rebounds a game three assists, two steals, and three blocks game, which three blocks is crazy. So clearly he was hanging in there with some of the bigger guys uh, that he was going against. So I'm very excited to see how he does. Who's next on your list? And mind you, you're seven foot tall. You better be, you better be blocking. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I want to say too, I I really like, I'm really, obviously Chet's my guy, but the Thunder have a really exciting young squad. They got, you know, Chet, they got Josh Giddy, who, uh, Bryce, I, dare I say, I think you might be, you might think he's a zaddy Australian. Oh, let, let me Google him right now. Uh, Josh. And then they also Giddy. got Shay. Yeah. And they also got Shay Gilgis Alexander, who very talented player. Also probably a zaddy in the eyes of Bryce Isaiah. So okay. just a young trio of zaddies with a lot of skill. Oh, okay. Uh, um, I mean, Josh might be zaddy adjacent. But I'm sure. sure if I saw him in person. And who was the other person you said? Uh, Shay, S-H-A-I, Gilgis, G-I-L-G, and then it should pop up. He's also known to be one of the more stylish players in the, in the NBA. Uh, let's see. Is he on? Wait. Because they're saying 2K21, but that couldn't be him. S-H-I. Well, he's not a rookie. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. But he's a he's a younger younger player. Okay, okay. No, um, no, so, he, but yeah, the Thunder have a really talented young group of players. So it's, it should be cool to see how my guy Chet 
blends with that group. Another guy I really like was, I believe, the number five pick on the Detroit Pistons, Jaden Ivey. Oh. Just, I think, you know, he's just, he was a beast. He played for Purdue. Just an absolute beast. Gets a lot of comparisons to a John Morant, uh, who's one of the best young guards in the NBA. Just He's just a really dynamic, exciting player. Um, super athletic, fast-paced style of play. So him and uh, Jalen Duran from Memphis, uh, both rookies on the Pistons, I think will be exciting to watch, along with Cade Cunningham, who was the number one pick in the last draft. Oh, wow. Uh, then two other guys I like, um, Tari Eason, number 17 pick on the Houston Rockets. Uh, really played well in the summer league, 17 points a game, 12 rebounds a game, shot the three well, uh, played good defense. And, I, I, you know, my dad being from Houston, I got some love for the Rockets. I just okay. want to say they got a really exciting young group as well. Uh, Jamari, Jabari, Smith, Jabari Smith, who is the number three pick in this year's draft, really talented player. And then, I mean, Josh Christopher, Jalen Green, Alperin Sangin, Kevin Porter Jr., Christian Wood, a bunch of guys under the age of like 24. Um, that it should be exciting as a as a somewhat of a Rockets fan to watch. So that's a good group. And then I want to say well, my last pick did, okay. was he went undrafted but got signed to the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Kenneth Lofton Jr. Huge, like he's just a big body. I think he's got to be like six six eight six nine, probably about three hundred pounds. Oh wow! Uh, but he, he's a bigger guy. Yeah, yeah. He's he 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 looks like you know kind of a tank, but super agile. Can shoot the three pass the ball, plays good defense. And what it was, he didn't even get drafted. He got signed after the draft. Uh, so in the summer league, 14 points a game, five rebounds a game. Uh, so let so me yeah, ask you he's this. a really fun player to watch. It's interesting that like Kenneth Lofton, like we don't see normally bigger players like this in the, mm-hmm. the NBA. The person that I think of immediately is like a Shaq. Like, do you think he has a potential to have like to be the next possible Shaq? Because he is a, he's not a big guy, but he's a like, hu- like husky type of guy. Not what yeah. you would normally see in the NBA. Um, You know, Shaq is just such a, like Shaq's what, like seven three. Um, Kenneth is a little little smaller, so I don't, he, I don't think he's as much of a post player. But as I mean, six, as far six. as his stature goes, I yeah. He but he's a really good passer, playmaker, can shoot the three, which Shaq really couldn't shoot very well. Um, a lot of people can fit, are comparing him to. I don't know if you know who Zach Randolph is, uh, former NBA All Star, um, who just like a bigger guy, huskier guy who could who could score, play good defense. Yeah, Kenneth Lofton Jr. is kind of like that, but also just craftier with the ball handling, with the shooting, with the passing. So the fact that he went undrafted out of uh, Louisiana Tech, uh, he's just a really exciting player. And like like you said, not a lot of people in the league are sort of built like he is or play like he does. So it's just kind of a fun guy to follow. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm actually going to add him to my list a little bit because I like that. I like when people aren't don't fit the regular mold and, you know, listening to you hype him up. He is uh, great. And so so those are our rookie picks. So we would love to hear who you guys got. I know Josh Green, a member of the posse, is always telling me his favorite pick. So definitely let us know on the Twitter or Instagram. Now, the next thing that I kind of sort of want to move to is that I I loved you talking about how a lot of these teams are building, like they're getting these younger players and they're building all these, the teams around them, because just like the Sixers always say, you have to trust the process. And it's not just a 
one season done. It's really like a relationship, a bond. And so it's really interesting um, that I've seen a lot in the news with uh, Kyrie Irving and KD. Now, we know KD and Steph Curry were together. They won the 2017 and 2018 champions in Golden State. And we know that Kyrie was recently uh, sent to the Nets and Kyrie and KD were together. They were supposed to do like this supposed to be this powerhouse. The Nets was supposed to take it to the house and my trick daddy voice. But I know you don't know that song, uh, Jack. Take it to the house. Take it to the house. Yeah, we know you don't know that, but it's OK. Sure, Thank- sure. I got the, you know, Trina on it. I can do the rap if you want, but no. Uh, but we know that KD is prone to a lot of injuries. And Kyrie, we know that he didn't play a lot of games with the Nets due to the COVID restrictions and to some of his personal, uh, pers- due to his personal, just whatever personal things going on. They didn't make the playoffs. They got chopped in the play-ins. And so... Kyrie came out and basically said he wanted to leave the Nets. But then he was like, I'm going to stay. And then KD recently came out and was like, I want to leave the Nets. And after KD said that he wanted to leave the Nets, Kyrie was like, all right, I want to leave the Nets as well. But these guys are pretty veteran players and they don't come cheap. They are relatively expensive players in my you know what I know of things and so no one is really biting and the draft has already happened and now like you know so I'm just what do you make of this because I don't know a lot about the sports like that but I just know that y'all yeah. were supposed to be this powerhouse y'all didn't then Kyrie you saying you was gonna stay now cause KD say he going now you wanna be out too like what do you make of this mess no it's definitely a fiasco like when you when when um, the Nets sort of first brought all these these guys together, some some of the great you know all time NBA talents like you said, KD, Kyrie, they had James Harden for a hot minute. Um, everyone thought, oh, they're gonna you know they're gonna they're gonna wipe the floor with everybody. Didn't happen like that. I think in in hindsight, not necessarily a shock given the fact that I guess that trio of like KD, Kyrie, and Harden is sort of a their play styles and, and personalities. I don't know if they don't necessarily mesh, you know what I mean? Like, right. Um, Kyrie, obviously, um, you know, I love Kyrie, but he definitely has some off the court issues as far as like, I don't, I, I mean, I'm not an inside source for this, but you know, oh. as far as his attitude goes, obviously he's entitled to his opinion on the whole COVID thing, but you're not, if you're not contributing on the court, cause you're, you're not playing cause of the COVID restrictions, that's not really helpful. Um, I think he's a flat earther too, which I, I don't want to knock anyone's beliefs, oh. but like that's, he's just a little, he's a little out there. Um, okay. And KD too, you know, great player, but for me, KD's always been, you know, he's bounced around from, he just bounces from like good team to good team. And so he's not necessarily like, I feel like a natural leader necessarily. Um, but yeah, it's, it didn't come as a surprise to me after this disappointing season that they wanted to sort of break things up. Uh, and it looked like it was going to happen for a while, but then, you know, from from you know NBA rumors and stuff, at least for KD, the the Nets wanted an arm and a leg for KD, and it's like the the fact of the matter is KD's thirty three years old, um, still obviously one of the top players in the NBA, but you, like you said, he's had some injury issues. Uh, you know, I saw that they're, they're asked. I, I believe there was a leaked trade offer to the the Minnesota Timberwolves, where they basically asked for like their three best young players and like four first round picks which is just ridiculous. And so if, if that's what the price, the price for the nets to trade KD, it's like, okay, no team is really going to 
bite at this because if KD's 33 years old, he's obviously a great player, but you can't give away your whole future for a player who's probably going to retire in, you know, four or five years. You know what I mean? So, right. Um, for me, and, and I think the same can sort of be said for Kyrie. I think there's a, a few. Kyrie's such an eccentric personality. I feel like you kind of have to pair him with the right group of players. Um, and I thought Kyrie to the Lakers made a lot of sense, but again, there wasn't necessarily a lot of pieces that the Lakers can move to the Nets that it would really make sense. So I think where that where it's at right now, um, I know there's a lot of people teams looking for you know three team trades, four teams trades where you know for those not familiar. If you're trying to make a trade with one team, but there's not necessarily a swapping of assets that makes sense, sometimes you can involve some other teams as sort of like a middleman who might need, who might value, you know, um, certain things that the other team doesn't value, but then they might be able to trade something else to that other team that makes it worthwhile for all three teams, I guess. So it's like say. a three-way team. Like, it's like, okay, we'll exactly. give you this person, but then you could take that person, but then that team would take that person, and exactly. oh, wow. And oh. so... I think that I'm sure those are kind of in the works, whether it's for Katie or for Kyrie. Again, I think the Nets have such a high price for some of the, for the, for those guys that it might not work out, but I could see something finally falling into place that, that moves one of those players. I think maybe a more likely scenario is that, you know, once I think the NBA season gets underway, obviously the Nets still have a super loaded roster. Ben Simmons, uh, who's had trouble on the court, off the court, but still a very talented player. Uh, Kyrie, KD, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, a lot of strong players. You know, I, I, I wouldn't, I don't think it's a bad move for them to, to try to regroup, get everyone on the same page and, and go at the season. If they, if they could start clicking and playing well, right. Um, they'd be one of the top teams in the league. And we saw that last year, the, the games that Kyrie and KD did play together, the Nets did very well. So, uh, I think they give it a shot. Uh, and then, you know, as the trade deadline rolls around, which is usually about two thirds of the way through the season. If they're if they're kind of having the same you know failure the lack of success as last season, then maybe as the trade deadline approaches, they could flip Katie or Kyrie to a team that's really trying to that a team that's performing well really needs that last piece to contend for the championship, uh, and maybe then they could get a better price. That's kind of what I where I think it's at, but. So well, that's my two cents. Okay. Well, listen, we appreciate it because there's more to my one cent. Now, somebody who used to be in this mix was James Harden. Now, we know that James Harden went to the Philadelphia Sixers. However, Philadelphia wasn't too happy with James Harden and how he played. He did all right, but he didn't do what we wanted him to do necessarily. And then I got news that the former league NBA or MVP has rejected the option his player option worth $47.4 million uh, for the next season. And he's done this in order to help the franchise better position itself to make a run at a championship. Essentially, Art uh, James is taking less money in hopes that Philly can do more by foregoing the money and opting um, out of his options to allow the 76ers president uh, to have more flexibility in the roster moves ahead of the season. Now, I think this is something like, very admirable, um, especially yeah. coming from a seasoned player like James Harden, who what realistically has two, three more seasons left. And like, who knows? But like, is a more seasoned player. He ain't like Jalen Williams or LaMelo Ball that has like yeah. decades in front of them now. But my motive, like I, I would feel that like if you're an NBA player, you want to 
You want to get as much money like anybody that's working a job. You want to get the most money that you can. What do you think of this move of him taking less to be able to build Philly up? Do you think because Philly has such a hard rep with their players, i.e. Ben Simmons, um, and you see how that relationship went. Do you think this is an effort of James Harden to kind of like build respect and love for Philly? Or do you think it's a way for him just to secure another year on another team and still making $30 million? No, I think if I'm a Philly fan, I'm very excited by this. Um, it's it's generally, I'd say, a selfless a selfless move. Um, where James Harden is essentially saying, hey, like, I want to contend to win a championship. I think Philly is the place to do that. And to make that more of a viable option, I'm going to take less money so we can get some more talent and keep, keep the guys around us that we need, like a Joel Embiid, maybe give him more money to stick around once his contract is up. Um, I'm sure they'll restructure the deal in some way that will get him some bread. I also heard Bryce um, loosely, um, just from some... like you know just the internet in general i guess is that there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff with um i think the sixers i i believe i don't know the specifics but i believe one of their former owners i think owns is like one of the owners of fanatic sports i think it's called like the, the sports apparel company and i believe that they've uh they don't quote me on this, but I think I saw something about them signing hard into a deal. And so what can essentially happen there, and I think it might be happening behind the scenes, which I think is perfectly legal as far as the NBA goes, because the, the owner is no longer affiliated, but they can pay James Harden more through that outside brand contract in order to make him take less wow. money from the team contract and then open. So Harden might be getting the same amount of money but just getting more money from his, his uh, brand deals and less money from the team. And so, so then I, I asked the question, so is you like, is this a publicity stunt move a little bit to make like the fans buy into more Harden? Because essentially oh. you're just getting money on the back end. You're not really losing money and it just like buys you grace with us Philly fans. Yeah, I mean, I think in that case, if that's if that's the full story and that's the truth, then I think, it's yeah, it's a no-brainer for Harden. I mean, it could be two things at once, you know, like, he he might want to some gain some favor from the organization and the fans, but at the same time, it's like he wants to win. So if, if that's a right. way he could get the same money, but also make the team better, like why not? And that's not, not necessarily right. selfish. It's just like it makes sense. Um, and I think in his mind, you know, he's also, you know, he's still got some years left in him, but he's certainly on the tail end of his career. Right and for he's him, he's probably like, hey, him. Philly might be the last place that I can go and really be the guy to make it happen. You know, if he and Joel win a chip, I, like obviously Embiid's a great player, but everyone would be like, okay, this was like, you know, Harden and Embiid's team. Like they're a duo. They're, they're both studs. Um, you know, <laughs> if, 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 if um, Harden burns of the, these next few years in Philly, he'll have been on four teams, not had a championship. And then by then he's going to be like, what, 34, 35. He might be a, a like a, you know, a starter on another team, but he's not going to be the guy. So it's right. like you, for for his legacy and his success, you know, you want your team like now's the time. So especially if, if, the, if that, you know, the behind the scenes scenario that I mentioned is, is, is really the truth. I think it's a no brainer, but at the end of the day, it's like, I don't, that's, that's not bad by him by any means. Like if you can get no. the same bag and make your team better, like 
Why, why, why not? No, I mean, and I'm mad at that. I guess you're right. But I guess the way the headlines for me was like, oh, OK, he really wants to take a pay cut to see the team win. But also you get in the back end deals. But speaking of now, let's switch fields. No baseball. What you know about baseball? And also, why ain't nobody tell me about Juan Soto? OK, 23 years old in his fifth season with the Washington Nationals. OK, out here. Now, I don't know what this means. Point two nine two hitters with 117 home runs in 553 games. Now, Juan is the talk of the town out in the NFL. Wait, no. Don't say that. No, no, wait. NFL, no, that's the National Association. No. What is... Hold on, wait. We're going to work this through. Baseball is not the NBA, not the NFL. What's the... uh, (laughs) What's the Baseball League's uh, acronym? MLB. Okay, MLB. Okay, mind you. Now, mind you, I thought that, but for me, I think of MJB. Do you know what MJB stands for, Jack? No. <laughs> Mary J. Blige. Do you oh and oh uh, Jesus. Please do not hurt my heart. Please say you know who Mary J. Blige is. I'm familiar, yeah. Just name a song. MLB. <laughs> <laughs> now she does have a song called MLB on her album The Breakthrough, but you just you know. Wait, whatever. are you serious? Yeah, she does. She has a song called MLB because it's just Mary J. Blige, but she does have a song called MLB on the Breakthrough album. But I mean, it's like a album filler, not necessarily like a hit song. But listen, we gonna let you slide. But listen, back to to uh, Juan Soto. He is the talk of the town over there in the Washington uh, and Washington Nationals now. And he first of all, five seasons and you only 23. Well, we're on the block is that he turned down uh, the Washington was like, listen, we need you to stay here. They offered this man. Ooh. Oh, hold on. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Listen, I don't even know what Juan looked like, but listen, seeing this number, Juan is a zaddy. They offered <laughs> this man $440 million over 15 years. That works out to be $29.3 million per season. And this past Saturday, Juan said no. They recently... Prior to that, they had offered him like 300,000, uh, 300 million um, for 15 years, and he declined that. Then they came back with this 440 million, and he declined it. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about Juan Soto, the outfielder from Washington? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big baseball fan, but I do follow. So I, I definitely am, am familiar with Juan Soto, one of the best younger players in the league. Uh, I've also, I also heard a bit about this deal that you were, t- like you were talking about. Um, and yeah, the, the contracts in baseball are ridiculous because there's essentially no salary cap like there is in the NFL or the NBA. So those players making, you know, half a bill over their career. Right. And if Juan would have signed this deal with the Nationals, this would have been the largest yeah. MLB. Did I say that right? Yep. Uh, largest contract in its history of baseball. So Juan got to be good. And it's just crazy. He's young. But, and again, I don't know much about baseball, but 15 years sound like a long time. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, Definitely. Uh, And I think with baseball, though, it's like you you could play till you're a little bit older a lot of the time because 
baseball doesn't wear on your body as much as, you know, football or basketball. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, like, the ins and outs of, like, the baseball stuff. I would just, I just, I would expect that, you know, for Juan Soto, he's sort of, I, there's just got to be something where Washington's not the place he wants to be, I guess. Mm. Whether that's an organization thing, whether that's them, like, him wanting to go to a team that's generally a little bit more competitive. Um, maybe he thinks he could, I mean, maybe he thinks he could get more money elsewhere, but it's like, I don't know. You know, you sign a contract for four hundred forty million guaranteed dollars. It doesn't really matter. I, like, I'm going Listen, y'all got me. If Juan don't want it, yeah. So, <laughs> and it, it's kind of a surprise because I feel like you know that your your organization that sort of builds you up from a, a young man in, in Juan Soto's case, where he's been playing with them since you know he was eighteen, even before that. I'm surprised. I'd feel like I'd have some sort of natural loyalty, especially right. when they offer me a, a half a bill bag. But maybe he just doesn't want to live in Washington, or maybe it's just there's some or, conflict in the organization that he just right. wants to test and, the market and go somewhere else, uh, which you can't blame him for. You know, if he thinks he could get more money or he thinks there's a better fit for him as a player, it is what it is. But it's like, I don't know. If someone offered me 440 I'm million, there. I feel like I'd have a hard time saying I'm that. there. But again, at the same time, if he doesn't love the organization, and, it's, it's mm. almost like the opposite of with the James Harden thing, where, it, you know, maybe another organization offers him. 350 million for 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 15 years but he just thinks it's gonna be a better quality of life it's like at the end of the day if you have 350 million the 90 extra 90 million obviously insane amount but it's like you already got 350 it's not going to change how you're living that much right and i'm sure that you can make that other 90 million up in endorsement deals or something but for me i guess the bigger story for me is like you said you've been with this organization since you're 18 you've been here for five seasons for me i feel like there has to be something more internally going something that is like he does not like or something that like he just does not want to stay with them because i don't know the contracts don't get that much bigger um, so that yeah. was just something that I was just like, no, wait a minute now, Purple Pants Posse, if y'all know something about this, uh, Soto deal in Washington, please spill the tea because I am intrigued. Uh, another thing that I put on the the roster was, uh, what's, have you heard of this Drew League before, Jack? Yeah, I've, uh, I, I've heard a lot about the Drew League. I always see a lot of highlights and stuff. From, I realized the other day that it's in LA, so. I think it's sort of just wrapped up, but it, it would have been cool to go check that out. But is the super Dr- cool, yeah. Is the Drew League like the G League and the Summer League where actual like players that want to still have a competitive edge can compete in this league and you get to play with like NBA players and some overseas like what do you know what the actual purpose of the Drew League yeah. is? It's 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 kind of like what I think it's for charity and so uh-huh. it's it's I believe from my brief research, it's like a, it's for charity. And so they get a bunch of, you know, exciting players, whether that's NBA players, overseas players, some younger guys, um, just to give people some good games to watch, make money for charity. And then obviously it's, it's a very high level of competition. So, you know, when you've got, like you said, LeBron is playing in there, I think pretty much anyone's going to go want to play. And it's a way for players, you know, NBA players to stay sharp over the summer. Um, it's for a good cause, and at this point, as even for like the culture, uh, it's it's something that basketball fans and uh, sports enthusiasts follow too. So it's just it's that kind of as far as sports go in the summer, it's, it can be sort of at the center of the culture, the basketball culture too. So I, I'm sure it's 
for a lot of players, it's just a cool thing to be a part of, too. Yeah, no, and definitely LeBron played in the Drew League this year. He hasn't played since 2011, since the lockout, and they basically said Bron Bron came to play play. He was shutting it down and was literally killing it, in which we expect nothing else from LeBron. I'm really excited to see if LeBron's dream does come true, where he says, well, you know, his oldest son, uh... Is it is it Bro. Bryce Brony Brony uh, Brony like he wants to like his last season he wants to play on the team with his son and I think that that would be like yeah. so dope. I think uh, it'll happen. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure LeBron can make it happen. But for me, I just love it as a basketball player. I really love like the family franchises and just to see like a black father with his black son. Like I don't know. I just like the optics of that for me and yeah, my head yeah. look are just so amazing. So I'm excited. Huge fan of LeBron. Uh, but you know, I still love Lamelo Ball. Now the last thing on the roster. Um, Maybe Del- maybe the Hornets draft Bronny. And then oh, oh no no and no Lamello. now listen. Angelo and Lonzo. Listen, I'm getting all five jerseys. I'm getting all five jerseys. And also, another little Mellow update. You know, Mellow uh, wears the number three, like with all of his brothers, they always did. But Mellow wanted the number one uh, because he played with that when he was overseas, and that was his favorite number. But last year was this big thing where I guess he missed the opportunity to submit for a number change. And so he was like really mad and protesting about that, but then he got over it. So I am curious to see whether or not this year, Mello has submitted the paperwork in time to get the one that changed his jersey from a three to a one. And if that does happen, Jack, if you need birthday, if you need Christmas, and if you need Hanukkah, and if you need Ken Sierra, <laughs> uh, ideas for me, you can get me the How many Lamello jerseys do you have already? I have two. I have like a fake one, one that I just like re- wear around. Then I actually have like the real jersey, and I have uh, two pairs of the the mellow. Oh yeah, I remember? We, yeah, when you got those. Yeah. yeah, shout out to Lamelo for my birthday gift. But mind you, my issue with the mellows is is that like I don't want to wear them. Like I like I like literally have them up in my room as like trophies, but that's why I'm gonna get a third pair of that I'm actually gonna wear them when I be in here breaking people's ankles on the court, um, because yes, that's what I do. Now, mind you, I can do a jersey swap. You can give me a Chet Holmgren jersey. Oh yeah, <laughs> like don't say that. Yeah, I, don't say that, Jack, because I actually will get you that for Christmas. Uh, but anyway, I might have to do the same. Uh, the last topic is like one it's been a sensitive topic but it's something that I wanted to bring to the, the Purple Pants podcast and I wanted to like you know curious to hear your thoughts on it uh, but uh, the University of Pennsylvania nominated swimmer Leah Thomas who has become the face of the debate of trans women in sports for the 2002 NCAA NCAA women of the 22 yeah, what did I say? Two thousand two. You said two thousand two. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they would have done that in O two. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely not. But for two thousand and twenty two NCAA Woman of the Year, the Ivy League swimmer uh, was nominated as a Division One athlete for swimming and diving, according to the NCAA website. The award is meant to honor academic achievements, um, athletic excellence, community service, leadership uh, for graduating female college athletes for all through division. Um, In March, Leah became the first transgendered athlete to win the NCAA 
uh, NCAA Division Title I after finishing first in the women's 500-yard freestyle event and recording the fastest time ever of the NCAA season. With that victory, she became the first athlete, uh, transgender athlete to win a D1 title in any sport. And with that came this huge debate in which, uh, you know, they felt like Leah should not be competing with cisgendered females. And it's, first of all, congratulations to Leah because I think that she deserves uh, this award. And I am an ally to my transgender sisters um, and to the transgender community. And I was having this conversation at a, a family event. This topic came up. I don't know how it came up. And put me in an awkward position because I felt like I was the only like queer person at this family event and people were talking about the topic and there were people like supporting Leah. There were people that had opposite views. And again, you can have your own view, but in, it really like the conversation turned to me for like the answer. And it just made me feel uncomfortable because I feel like I understand both sides of what people are saying about this. Um, I understand cisgendered women that feel a ways about a transgender woman. And I feel, I also feel very compelled that, you know, a trans woman is a woman. Um, but I also understand that the difference between a trans woman and a cis woman. Um, and so it, it come, it, it's this complex ideology and it's this like it's not complex but it is because for me um my family was like well it seems like you're playing you're 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 lying in the middle bryce and i'm like well yeah i am but also i was trying to make my it's very complicated and i was trying to make my family understand that like why i don't want to say that i agree with the cis gender women and also I'm a feminist and I'm with women and I'm with women's rights and all of that so don't get that confused but what I was saying was that like the the people that have such a strong feeling about this and when they use those terms I was like trying to explain to them how I it makes me uncomfortable because I feel like it's rooted in transphobia now hear me clearly I am not saying that someone that disagrees with Leah in this field is transphobic. I am saying that a lot of the ideology when they bring up these points yeah. are rooted in, in, in transphobia and it makes me uncomfortable. And I also realize me as a person with a platform and something like that people look up to is that I don't ever want to be in a position where I say something that negatively affects the trans community. Um, and again, because I realize and understand the population that the trans community is. And again, I say this a thousand, a thousand times. I'm going to always say like I like, you know, and the most affected population are our black trans women um, that are killed and that no one talks about and so it's like even in these topics that people don't think have ramifications but it does and so I was talking to one of my trans friends actually about this because I'm like you know what I don't it's hard for me to say because again I understand both sides of it um and I understand like eh, I I understand both sides of it and so one of my uh, trans friends that I reached out to because I was saying like well I was for the idea of like maybe making a trans like sports athletic league. Like I think that that would be something great for the trans community. It would bring more awareness highlight. And like, I I thought it would be something positive, but my uh, one trans friend was like, but it also then again, 
separates and isolates. And they were like, that doesn't do well for the cause. And my one trans friend gave me a great point. And they, she was saying that they don't even really understand why we have men's and women's uh, basketball teams. Like, why not just the best players at the highest level play against each other? And I never thought about it like that. And I was like, wow, that is a really good point. I, but I mean, I'm just saying like, and then again, my other family members was like, well, men are better. But are they? Like, I mean, I'm sure if we searched the world and found the top players of the top players. But again, that's just what our society is. We have these leagues. But ultimately, when I was talking to my trans friend and I guess a lot of the the the, the one of the things that like she was dispelling and I clearly dispelled that like that. When people say like, oh, these trans women shouldn't be able to play uh, in the field, like, and some of the things are like, like people will specifically transition just to play a sport. Like nobody's transitioning to play a sport. Okay. Like, let's just like, 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 get, like, get out of my face with that and stop playing with me with that. Um, And so another thing is that like, all of a sudden the, the field will be dominated with all of the top players are going to be trans women. Like that's like, that's also not the case. But I, another thing that she had made me aware of was like, it's less about the, the professional level. And what she was more concerned about was the ramification of trans, like our trans children that want to play on a baseball team in school or want to play in the football team in school and like what type of ramifications that will send down to them. And especially in the time that all of these states are passing these anti-trans bills and like, you know, so much is going on and how much it would affect them. And I never stopped to think about that, how it would affect our trans youth. And here we are talking about on this pro athlete level and, you know, how it trickles down to the children. What are your thoughts? Because it's a complicated, oh, like, I mean, and yeah, if you it's, know, no, I, I've thought about it. I thought about it when the, the whole Leah Thomas situation was more sort of in the in the news. Uh, I thought about it today when you sort of gave me that some of the topics and I've thought about it while you've been talking about it. And it's so it's so nuanced because obviously as an ally to the trans community, you want trans athletes, trans children to be to feel comfortable and be able to compete like everyone deserves to be able to compete in the sport that they love. Um, but at the same time, it's like if I'm the um, female-born swimmer Cis, that is competing against female, Leah, yeah. cisgendered female-born swimmer that is competing against Leah in the finals, and I've been training, you know, super hard to win, and now all of a sudden I'm going against someone who who does have a genetic sort of advantage, you know, for all the other um, cisgendered female-born athletes i do think there is sort of a level to unfairness and so as far as leah goes i don't think leah is doing anything wrong leah is is has transitioned into the, the person they feel most comfortable as um they obviously want to continue to compete in the sport that they love so the fact that there's been so much press and so much controversy around that i just feel bad for them um but then at the same time it's like yeah if you're the 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 the, the, the cisgendered girls that are, are competing against her at the same time that's not very fair either so uh it's yeah like you said it's just such a a, a gray area where it's like you don't want to re- restrict transgender athletes from competing but at the same time you want to make sure that there's sort of a even level of competitiveness competitiveness available 
which is hard to accomplish when a lot of times transgender females will have that uh, natural, not all the time, but sometimes that natural sort of genetic advantage. Like, you know, yeah, I think, yeah, no, I, I, I see I, both sides of the argument. Um, I definitely, and it, it like, it's, I, I don't know. And again, like you said, it's so nuanced. And again, I was saying this at like my family event and, you know, one of my ignorant family members was just like, you know, like, you know, because it's all new, non-binary and trans. And I like had to politely say like, baby, this is not new. Like trans and non-binary people have been around since the beginning of time. Like, you know, like we are now, we have the verbiage and we have the... we have the the wherewithal and we have the knowledge and they have the rights and they are using their voice to speak up and, you know, creating these platforms and things and correct terminology to use. But they've always been here. So stop saying that because it's just like I, that. And again, that also makes me so defensive and which is why, like. I am an ally to my females and I'm an ally to my trans. But at the same time, I was trying to just get people to understand that at times the rhetoric and the the points and the talking points that people use to discredit Leah are very like transphobic. And I'm not saying that people that use them or believe that are, but no, no, I I agree. Cause some people are so vehement about like villainizing Leah herself. And it's like, what she didn't do anything wrong. You know, it's it's just an unfair situation that she's been put in. So it's it's to, to me the conversation shouldn't be about her. It should just be about how do we make this a fair playing field for everybody exactly. who's involved. And that's how I feel. And uh, you know, one of my cousins who agree with me, they were saying like uh, how they felt like not similar at all, but felt very how the topic was approached and their point of view was like it was almost like the integration of of sports. And how, you know, people feared black athletes. They Like my cousin was saying, this, it was the same conversation that they felt like mm-hmm. the black athlete was so much more genetically dominating than the other. And that that was a, uh, one uh, outside of the racist reasons as to why they didn't want, you know, uh, to integrate sports. But that was a, a talking point that they used as to why uh, they wanted to keep the color league, the color league. And so, and I didn't even think about that. My cousin was like, that's some of the things that they used before they wanted to integrate sports. And again, so it, it's just an interesting, it's a nuance. Yeah. And I definitely think it is a uh, more conversation and more things need to be had. And again, yeah. I feel like more trans leaders need to be involved in the conversation, more cis gendered females need to be in the conversation and i i don't honestly know what the answer is because i i don't but i just know that whatever the conversation that is had and when people bring up their points i just what i do know is you need to be respectful and you need to Mm -hmm. listen and you need to uh, like i just feel like at times that people aren't listening and it's just this back and forth thing and it turns into this nasty disgusting thing and again it takes away from leah being the amazing champion that she is um and it just it like like you said it it truly sucks for her to like have these accomplishments but then people like discredit you and not to discredit the the people that are raising valid points and again you can raise a valid point and we can have a discussion but i don't know it's just this combo it's just a lot definitely but and I will say too the, the the thing that popped in my mind before you even said it was it, it I think it could be nice if there were you know leagues designated for some of these transgender athletes. Now I, I can't speak for everyone on that, but 
Uh, that seemed like a reasonable solution that came into my mind. I, I can understand some of the drawbacks of that. Um, but again, too, it's hard. You can't even like. I mean, I obviously shouldn't be, but I'm sure even anyone in that in the community, it's like you. Everyone's gonna have their own opinion. Right. Uh, every transgender person is gonna have their own opinion on this, and they might vary. So there's not like a one it's not a monolith, right? It. Yeah. Yeah. So no, but I definitely wanted to put it on the roster because like we don't shy away from hard conversations, and if we can't don't have an educated opinion on it, we could say that. Um, and so that's why I just wanted to put it on the topic because I. Definitely think it is um, an interest, like an important talking point, and I hope that this does inspire some conversation within the posse to have conversations uh, with their loved ones and um, and to talk about it. I'm, I'm curious to hear people's thoughts on it. But this has been uh, by far a great play by play with the baby boy Jack Atkins. I appreciate you coming through the Purple Pants podcast uh hopefully you know maybe if you're not busy we can tap you for the month of august because like i really love your perspective on things and i always just love to tap in with the baby boy the jack atkins of course. before we and go I've been watching uh big brother i've been watching the oh. challenge too so if you ever need a little guest for those feel free but yeah whenever you need me i'm throw up the throw up the bat signal oh uh but yeah it was it was a great you so many fun topics on this discussion, uh, this play-by-play. So it, was, it was great to talk some sports with you. Yes, and this has been your July's play-by-play. Bob's got a message. Bob's got a message. Bob's got a message for you. My beautiful friends, this is Miss Barb, and I'm so thankful for the privilege to be able to share a writing I just recently read, which speaks on loving yourself. Choose to love yourself entirely. Choose to embrace your flaws and forgive your mistakes. Choose to embrace yourself for all that you are. Loving yourself is about accepting yourself. It's fighting for yourself and believing in yourself. It's picking yourself back up after you fall because you know that you are worthy of standing tall again. Loving yourself is cherishing who you are and nurturing your body and spirit. It is acknowledging yourself and embracing yourself for who you truly are. It is treating yourself kindly. It is in the way you think and talk about yourself. It is in the way you fill up your cup. Before all else, You must nurture the relationship you have with yourself because it is the foundation for the relationship you have with the people and the world around you. If you are constantly hard on yourself, it will feel like the world is constantly hard on you. 
if you are constantly loving yourself, the world will love you too. How you treat yourself is how you allow the world to treat you. So be kind to yourself. Love yourself, my beautiful friend. You are so worthy of your love. Love you. Who's the freak? Who's the freak? Who's the freak of the week? Who's that? Who's that? Who's that freaky, freaky freak? Who's the freak of the week? Might be me. Might be you. Might be And we are on to this week's Freak of the Week. And baby, y'all know me. I love a good Law & Order, okay? I prefer the original Law & Order to Law & Order SVU. Now, I love SVU. I love all the other ones they did, like the the internet one, the CSI one. But for me, I love the original Law & Order, okay? I could watch seasons three to all of the current ones. That's normally what I normally go to sleep to. It used to be the Golden Girls, but now I feel like I've seen every episode of the Golden Girls. So now I'm on a Law and Order. But listen, I love me some Law and Order, and I do love me some Law and Order SVU. But listen, over the weekend, baby, it was giving Raw in Order. Yes, I said Raw in Order. You know Chris Maloney, aka Stabler from SVU. You know he was on original. Then they took him off for a couple of seasons. Then they brought him back. Well, baby, brought to my attention i feel like it's something i should have known okay did y'all know july 14th was national new day well wait um wouldn't okay freak of the week well listen chris was celebrating national new day and he has a peloton ad but baby the 61 year old law and order organized crime star baby bared it all on this peloton he was giving nude and not so rude and listen stabler chris for him to be 61 years old he is definitely giving zaddy vibes took the internet by storm and baby if you go over there to twitter whoo they was having a field day with those photos i also went down that rabbit hole but i had to be careful because y'all know the difference between instagram and twitter sometimes when you go down little uh hashtag on the twitter baby it's giving x x x x x what in the world is going on over there now i didn't go down that rabbit hole too long but i'm just saying i was there for the chris maloney photos and i just love it and i love just you know positivity and celebrating your body no matter how old you are no matter what shape your body is in love yourself and listen chris was on that peloton loving himself so we had okay to give the baby boy freak of the week if you're not having a great day, just type in the hashtag Chris Maloney or type in raw in order. Actually, no, don't type in raw. Don't type in raw in order because, baby, you'll get something that you don't want. Type in the hashtag Chris Maloney and get into those photos because it's amazing. If Chris Maloney is the freak of the week, that means this roster of an episode is coming to an end. I appreciate you so much for listening and always showing your baby boy some love. We will be back next week if P-Valley stopped playing with us so we could break down 
the next episode. But please ensure that you are subscribed to the Purple Pins podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. You know, my Uncle Pookie is riding around Philly. You can get the subscription out of his trunk. Make sure you hit subscribe. Make sure you write a review. Make sure you give your baby boy some five stars. Okay, write a review. I ain't seen a review since May. What's going on, Purple Pins Posse? And don't forget to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tell a friend that it's the roster. Because it's a, it's a, it's a. It's the Purple Pants. It's the Purple Pants. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You better get your headphones and listen up quick. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You better listen in public. Might make your stomach hurt. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You're trying to unwind. You better get that box wine. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You're trying to get your snack. You better hurry right back, though. It's the Purple Pants. It's the Purple Pants.